0: What if the world was different?
1: Science fiction is usually utopian or dystopian, either unrealistically good or unbelievably bad. There doesn't seem to be much in the middle.
0: But what if we looked at science fiction differently? What if we instead looked at a realistic world?
1: A believable world.
0: This is the world of Bellatopia.
1: In this episode of Bellatopia...
0: We landed on the moon. We built a habitat on the moon. We're living in Earth orbit, and we are living in lunar orbit. We're living on the far side of the moon with no visibility to Earth ever. With four space stations, two lunar bases, and over 35 crewed trips between the Earth and the Moon, how can we possibly communicate with each other over the long term? How can we keep all these missions in communications with Earth? The answer is, a communications network that grows and becomes more sophisticated as time goes on. By the end of the Apollo era, we can communicate over a half a million miles without the requirement that we be line of sight with an Earth-based antenna. This required a sophisticated network of communication satellites and technologies, and a bit of luck. This is the Apollo Lunar Communications Network in the world of Bellatopia. From the space program to high-speed trains.
1: From bridges to artificial intelligence.
0: From pop culture to politics and war to religion.
1: Bellatopia is about the world of what if.
0: What if different decisions were made in our history? Different priorities held by our leaders.
1: Different politics involved.
0: Let's see the world as it could have been, perhaps should have been,
1: and might still become.
0: Welcome to Bellatopia. As we near the end of Season 1, we're going to take a slightly new format for this episode. We aren't going to use the future documentary format. Rather, we're going to stay in a current-day conversation. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the fledgling communications network being built in the 1960s, 1970s, and 1980s in Bellatopia to support the various Apollo missions we have previously discussed in Season 1. We've talked about part of this network briefly in Episode 7, but we talked about the lunar base on the far side of the moon, the BLA base. But there's a lot more to that network than you could imagine, and a lot more to lunar communications in general than you might think. The network was the first such extra earthly communication network, and it was developed during the early days of the space race. Global Earth Dish Network During the early Apollo days, during the first missions to the moon, One of the initial communications problems that had to be solved was how do you keep the moon-bound Apollo spacecraft in communications with Earth when the Earth keeps rotating. That means mission control in Houston, Texas, was only in line of sight of the Apollo spacecraft for relatively short periods of time every day, a few hours at most. In order for Houston to maintain a -a 24-hour-a-day communications with the moon-bound spacecraft, a series of satellite communication stations were built around the globe. As the Earth rotated, different ground-based stations around the globe were in line-of-sight communications with the Apollo spacecraft at different times during the day. These stations were in direct communications with Houston via landline communications channels, essentially phone calls. Each station, when it was their turn, would relay signals between the Apollo spacecraft and mission control. The result was a virtual 24-hour-a-day continuous connection between Houston and the Apollo spacecraft. This was a great start, but as the 1960s moved into the 1970s, more and more spacecraft were put into space between the Earth and the Moon. This put a drain on this earthbound satellite network. Plus, the earthbound network required the United States to have facilities at foreign bases around the world, meaning there was a political aspect to maintaining the communication network. Something better was needed. Earth orbit communications satellites. The decision was made to invest in a satellite-based communications network for lunar communications. This started out as a series of low-Earth orbit satellites that could communicate with spacecraft on the way to the moon. By utilizing several of these satellites, at any given point in time, at least one satellite and or a ground station was in line of sight of the moon at any given point in time. These satellites relieved pressure on the ground-based network, but did not eliminate the need for the ground stations to exist. Eventually, as satellite technology improved, larger and more complex geosynchronous orbit satellites were put into space. This required a fewer number of such satellites in order to maintain communications with the Moon, and it eliminated the need for ground-based networks. At least one geosynchronous orbit satellite was in line of sight with the moon at all times. They would communicate between each other, and one of them would send a signal back and forth to Houston. The result was a continuous communication network between Earth and any moon-bound craft, 24 hours a day, without the need for Earth-based relay stations around the globe. Near versus Far Side of the Moon Back in episode 7, which was part 2 of the Lunar Base series, we learned that we built the base, named the BLA base, on the far side of the moon, the side of the moon opposite that of Earth. As you are most likely aware, the moon rotates at the exact same speed as the rate it revolves around the Earth. While this may seem like a big coincidence, it's actually pretty common in our solar system. That is to have a moon rotate around its axis at the same rate as the moon rotates around the planet. It's a phenomenon called tidal lock. Our moon is in tidal lock with Earth. Tidal lock is the reason why we always see the same side of the moon from Earth. The same side of the moon is always facing the Earth. Therefore, until the space program, no human had ever seen the backside of the moon. While the Russians first took pictures of the backside of the moon from their Luna 3 probe in 1959, the first humans to see in person were the crew of the Apollo 8 as they orbited around the moon in Christmas of 1968. This was the Apollo crew that took the famous picture of the rising Earth over the lunar horizon. This amazingly popular picture is believed by some to be a major contributor to the start of the global conservation movement. A link to this picture is available in the show notes. The BLA base, named after these astronauts from Apollo 8, was the first human establishment built on the far side of the moon. Being built on the far side of the moon meant it was not in line of sight with the Earth, ever. Hence, radio signals could not get from Earth to the base, which made it impossible to communicate with the base directly. This generated a huge problem that would have to be solved. Early lunar orbit satellites. One possible solution to the problem was to put satellites into lunar orbit, just like we did in Earth orbit. Eventually, this would happen, but in the early days of the Moon program, it was discovered that it was difficult to maintain an orbit around the Moon for any significant period of time. Irregularities in the mass of the Moon caused an object in lunar orbit to naturally decay and eventually crash into the lunar surface. This was a huge problem for satellites. While a solution was found to this problem in time for the Lunar Skylab program to take advantage of a stable lunar orbit, it took a while for this capability to be discovered, and it was of limited usefulness during the planning and creation of the BLA base. Another solution was needed. L4 and L5 Lagrangian points That solution involved satellites placed at the Earth-Moon L4 and L5 Lagrangian points. What are Lagrangian points? Well, the Lagrangian points are positions relative to the Earth and Moon that provide stable orbits. Stable positions where satellites and other objects can exist without having their position degrade and fall into either the Earth or the Moon. Links to more information about the Lagrangian points and where they are located are in the show notes. There are five such points in the Earth-Moon system, however, two of them are quite useful for our communications purposes. They are the L4 and L5 Lagrangian points. These points are in orbit around the Earth at the same distance from the Earth as the Moon is from the Earth. They also are the same distance away from the Moon as they are from the Earth. So. The Earth, Moon, and Lagrangian point form an equilateral triangle. That is a triangle with each of the three sides the exact same length. There are two such points. One that is in orbit around the Earth ahead of the Moon, orbiting the Earth in front of the Moon. The other is in orbit behind the Moon. Satellites could be placed at either of these two locations, and they would remain in that stationary position relative to the Earth and the Moon. They would be stationary relative to the Moon and would rotate around the Earth at a rate equivalent to the rate of the Moon rotates around the Earth. Namely, once every 27 days or so. How would satellites in these orbits appear from either the Earth or the Moon? From the Earth, the satellites in either L4 or L5 would appear to move across the ecliptic, across the sky, at the same speed as the Moon. In other words, they would rotate through the zodiac once every 27 days. From the perspective of the moon, they would appear to be stationary in the sky, just like the Earth appeared to be stationary in the sky. Where in the lunar sky they would appear would depend on where you were on the lunar surface, but the key was that one of the two satellites, either L4 or L5, or the Earth itself, would always be visible from any point on the lunar surface. This made communication satellites at these two positions valuable for communicating with astronauts on the lunar surface. In a specific case of the BLA base, the base is nearly directly on the opposite side of the moon from the earth. This position meant the satellites would appear very low in the east or west sky. L4 was in the eastern sky, and L5 was in the western sky. These two satellites would be used to communicate between the BLA lunar base and Earth. If L4 was visible in the eastern sky and L5 was visible in the western sky, why were both satellites needed? Why couldn't we have just one satellite at either L4 or L5? Why do we have to have both of them? Well, for one thing, as astronauts roamed the surface of the moon, It would be nice to have a satellite at both locations, which would allow more coverage of a greater portion of the lunar surface. This wasn't a big reason, though, because there was no plans on roaming far enough from the base to make that much difference in the position of the satellites in the sky. But there was a bigger reason, and that was because of lunar wobble. You see, when I said the Earth and L4 and L5 points were stationary in the lunar sky, I wasn't quite being accurate. The moon, like most other heavenly bodies, including the Earth, have a wobble to them. While they rotate around their north-south axis, their north-south axis also rotates a few degrees. Think of a spinning top. The axis of the top doesn't stay fixed. It rotates at a slower rate than the rate of the top itself spinning, but it does move. The same thing happens with planets and moons. Their north-south axis moves over time. Earth and Moon precession. In the case of the Earth, this wobble is very, very slow. In fact, one rotation of this axis, one rotational wobble, if you will, takes around 26,000 years. A very slow rotation. This is called the Earth precession. And it results in the North Star, the star the North Pole points towards, changing over the course of thousands and thousands and thousands of years. The moon also has a precession. It also wobbles. In the moon case, the wobble is caused by a complex series of gravitational pull changes caused by how the moon rotates around the Earth. The Earth's gravitation pole varies as the moon rotates around the Earth, and the moon orbit is not perfectly round. The net result is the moon wobbles rather rapidly and rather significantly. Because of this wobble, the Earth appears to move in the lunar sky in the shape of a series of ellipses. These ellipses are around 10 to 15 degrees arc across the sky. 10 to 15 degrees of arc is roughly about 5% to 8% of the total sky from horizon to horizon. So it's enough that you can actually notice and it makes a difference where the Earth appears in the sky. The Earth would move in a ellipsis over the course of a lunar month, namely 27 days. This is enough wobble that it can be noticed. The Earth would appear in different spots relative to the background stars day after day. The wobble is pretty significant. Links to more information about the lunar wobble and precession in general is contained in the show notes. The same thing occurs with the L4 and L5 Lagrangian points. They also move in 10 to 15 degree arcs over the course of a lunar month. From the BLA lunar base, however, these Lagrangian points are close to the horizon. As a result of this wobble, over the course of a month, the Lagrangian points will dip below the horizon, then go above the horizon in the shape of an ellipse. When L4 is below the horizon, L5 is above the horizon. When L4 is above the horizon, L5 is below the horizon. This is the main reason why a satellite was needed at both Lagrangian points, because over the course of a month, over the course of 27 days, at some points, one satellite was above the horizon and at other times, the other satellite was above the horizon. Only the satellite that was above the horizon could be used to communicate with BLA base and Earth. Hence, a satellite was needed at both locations for continuous communications. Communications Lag The moon is approximately 239,000 miles away from the Earth. Even at the speed of light, communication messages sent from Earth to the moon would take 1.3 seconds to arrive at their destination. A round-trip message from the Earth to the moon and back again would take 2.6 seconds. If you were on Earth talking to an astronaut on the lunar surface, and the astronaut immediately sent what you said back to you on Earth again, you would hear an echo you'd hear your voice repeat back to you 2.6 seconds after you spoke. spoke. This delay made real-time communications a bit of a challenge, but it didn't prevent them from occurring. Throughout Apollo, we had to deal with this 2.6 second delay. You just had to realize you had the delay when you were talking to the astronauts on the moon and wait a little longer period of time for them to reply to your query. However, When the signals had to be relayed through the L4 or L5 satellites, there was a greater delay. The distance from the Earth to L4 or L5 was also 239,000 miles. But then the distance from L4 or L5 to the moon was another 239,000 miles. This meant that the one-way communications path from Earth to moon via one of the Lagrangian satellites would take 2.6 seconds. A round-trip message from Earth to the moon and back again, via L4 or L5, would take 5.2 seconds. It take 5.2 seconds. This was a significant delay and would make real-time communications much more difficult. It was a fact of life, however, and this leg would have to always be considered. It's the reason why, eventually, a better and more stable set of communication satellites in lunar orbit Low lunar orbit was preferred. It would remove the long transmission time to and from the L4 and L5 Lagrangian points, which would bring the round-trip delay back down to the 2.6 seconds, much better than the 5.2 seconds caused by the L4-L5 network. But during the life of the BLA base, this was not to be available. Lunar Transit Communications What about communications during the trip from the Earth to the Moon and back again? There were a number of Command Service Modules, CSMs, that were sent back and forth between the Earth and the Moon, bringing the crews back and forth to the lunar surface and to the various bases, and also to the lunar Skylab. These LT, or Lunar Transportation Missions, also needed to communicate to both the Earth and the Moon. Communications to Earth was relatively easy. A high-gain antenna was attached to the CSM, that was used to send messages back to Earth. The messages at Earth were picked up either by an Earth-based relay station or one of the low Earth orbit or geosynchronous orbit satellites orbiting around the Earth. Replies were sent back to the in-transit CSM in the same way. When the CSM reached lunar orbit, when the CSM was in line of sight of Earth, it could communicate with the Earth before the L4 and L5 satellites were, were in place, when the CSM was on the backside of the moon they were in a blackout period, though, and could not communicate with the Earth. This was important, and this was the case during the early days of Apollo. It was important because of the lunar insertion burns that the CSM had to go through and the trans-Earth injection burns, these were the burns that put the CSM into lunar orbit and took the CSM out of lunar orbit for the return home. Both of those burns had to occur in the backside of the Moon, out of radio contact with Earth. During the early days of Apollo, this was unfortunate, but a fact of life in these days. Creation of the L4 and L5 satellite network meant that the CSM could use the L4 and L5 network when on the backside of the moon and remain in communications with Earth all the time, even during the backside of the moon burns. This entire process meant that the delay in communications between Earth and moon varied. On the way to the moon, the delay was based on how far the CSM was from Earth. Once the CSM was in lunar orbit, the delay went back and forth from 2.6 seconds to 5.2 seconds, depending on whether the CSM was in front or back of the moon. The same was true for the Lunar Skylab. As it orbited the moon, when it was on the front side of the moon, its communication leg with Earth was 2.6 seconds. When the Lunar Skylab was on the back side of the moon, The delay was 5.2 seconds, as messages were relayed via the L4 or L5 satellites. All of this certainly complicated communications, but it was still highly valuable to be able to remain in constant communications with Earth, even in lunar orbit. Because of this network, all astronauts anywhere in the Earth-Moon system, whether they were in transit to and from the Moon, in lunar orbit, or literally anywhere on the lunar surface, were always in contact and continuous communication with Earth. There was no longer any blackout areas. Venus flyby communications. All of this network communications was designed for communicating between Earth and various missions, spaceships, and bases at the moon or on the way to the moon. But what about the Venus flyby mission? This was the only crewed Apollo mission that went beyond the orbit of the moon. This wasn't a half a million mile trip, like a round-trip mission to the moon involved. This was a 60 million mile round-trip mission to and around the planet Venus. At 20 to 30 million miles away, communications was a bit harder. Communications flag was not measured in seconds, but in minutes. When the mission was near Venus, the round trip delay was around 200 seconds, nearly three and a half minutes. This meant that real time interactive communications was not possible at all. Communications was more like exchanging emails rather than using a telephone. There was no way around that issue. But additionally, signal strength was an issue. The Venus flyby vehicle had a large and powerful antenna for communicating with Earth but still the signal was very weak when it actually arrived at Earth. Additionally, messages had to be sent from Earth with significant power in order for them to be picked up and understood by the mission's antenna. This reality had two impacts on communications. First, when the mission was near its furthest distance from Earth, the Earth satellite network could not reliably receive messages from the Venus mission. Instead, only the largest of the Earth-based relay stations could pick up the signal. Second, the strength needed to send a message to the Venus flyby could only be generated by the largest of the communication dishes on the Earth's surface. At the time of the mission, there were only two relay stations that had the strength to communicate with the Venus mission that far away. The first was a station based in Southern California. The second was a station based in Australia. The net result was... While messages could be sent from the Venus mission to Earth at any time, only when one of these two stations was within line of sight of Venus could Earth send a message to the Venus mission. Given the limitations of these dishes and how they could be positioned, this meant there was about a nine-hour window every day that messages could be sent to the Venus mission. At any other time during the day, messages had to be held until the relay station dish at one of these two locations could be positioned to send a message toward Venus. This was only true during the deepest parts of the Venus mission. During most of the rest of the voyage, the entire Earth's satellite network could be used for communicating with the mission. Signal propagation delays were still long for most of the voyage, but weren't nearly as bad as they were when the mission was near Venus. Future of Communications This Earth-Moon communication network was built and expanded during the duration of the various Apollo missions, namely from 1968 until 1981, when BLA base was finally abandoned. While the bases and stations were not designed to be permanent, the communication network was designed to be permanent. Various components had to be swapped out at certain periods of time, and parts of the network were replaced and updated satellites at various points in time. In 1983, even the L4 and L5 satellites had to be replaced with more modern satellites. Eventually, a cluster of many satellites were put in orbit at each L4 and L5 Lagrangian points. This allowed redundancy as well as for bandwidth improvements. The network got better and better over time. Nothing could be done to reduce the propagation delay. That was a fact of the laws of physics that could not be changed but higher and higher bandwidth communication channels were added, allowing greater quantities of data to be sent over the network. Eventually, as the Internet began to take off and become a significant communication system on Earth, an extension to allow the Internet to be expanded into the Earth-Moon network was included, and high-speed Internet communications became possible from all over the Earth-Moon system. But as time went on, there were other communication needs that would be needed. Permanent space stations and transportation hubs were built in Earth orbit and lunar orbit, and persistent and high-bandwidth communication was necessary to these stations. Permanent bases were built on the moon, and they required high-speed network communications. More and more communications were required as time went on. Also, humankind was looking further out. There was still a strong desire to send humans to Mars, and to send humans back to Venus. Eventually, permanent bases were to be built on Mars, and eventually even beyond. But this was all in the future. This would be for use long after the Apollo program was ended. In fact, the next steps in space exploration beyond Apollo is the subject of the next season of Bellatopia, Season 2. But for now, this Earth-Moon network was state-of-the-art, and provided all the communications needs that were required for all of the Earth-based missions, stations, and bases. If you enjoyed this episode about the Earth-Moon Communications Network and would like more information about it, go to our website at bellotopia.com slash Net. That's bellotopia.com slash L-U-N-A-R-N-E-T.
1: In this season of Bellatopia,
0: What if the early space program was fully funded, fully supported, and ultimately financially viable?
1: This is... The Space Race.
0: This season on Bellatopia.
1: Are you enjoying our vision of the world of Bellatopia? For more information, please check out our website at bellatopia.com. That's B-E-L-I-T-O-P-I-A acom Until next time, enjoy our world.